Welcome, one and all, to a little thing we like to call the Good Judgment Podcast. The episode notes for this incredibly entertaining and informative episode that you are about to consume are available at goodjudgepod.com. That's goodjudgepod.com. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the new episode of the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm one of your mildly capable co-hosts, Wade Padgett. And I am your other adequately capable co-host, Tane Kell. Today, we're going to tackle one of everyone's favorite topics, ethics. And specifically, the things that keep getting us as judges in trouble. Tane, you did some uncharacteristic background research and preparation for this episode, huh? That's right, Wade. I got out of the old recliner and actually went to the interwebs and made one or two phone calls, all for the sake of our loyal listeners. Fascinating. Tell us all about that, Tane. Why would you do such a thing? <laughs> I never have before. Well, Wade, the idea I had was to find out the things that keep getting judges in trouble. So, of course, my first stop on that research train was to call our old friend, Courtney Veal at the JQC. Shout out to the FOP, friend of the podcast, Shout out. Courtney Veal. And, uh, and I asked Courtney some questions. Yeah, and it turns out, according to Courtney, the issues that keep getting judges into trouble don't really change much from year to year, huh? Yeah, that's right. After she and I talked, I went to the JQC website and I looked at the annual reports from that agency and I found that the same 10 or so issues keep rearing their ugly heads year after year. And I, I went all the way back to like 2005 and wow. it was the same, you know, 10 or so issues. Different directors and everything. Yeah. So based on Tane's intensive and exhaustive research that spanned an entire afternoon, Most we decided it. to do an episode. I got really tired after a <laughs> little bet. while. Yeah. We decided to do this episode tying our previous ethics episode and I don't remember the number Tane, but it's, you might recall this was Tane's uh, excursion into Dr. Seuss land. Oh, yeah. the places that you will hopefully never go was sort of the subtitle to that episode. Right. So here we folk, here we go, folks. This one will be, Oh, the places you'll hopefully never go. Part duh, the sequel. That's right. What? <laughs> I love the way you said duh. Duh. <laughs> so, right. folks, my my definition or, or the definition that I found for what ethics is, is moral principles that govern a person's behavior or the conducting of an activity. But I think it's more simply defined as follows. Ethics, a noun that says what you learned or didn't learn from your, from your mama and them. Right? I, I mean, maybe an alternative tame. I, I can't teach you to be ethical. Right. Or one other thing, Wade, you could you could lead a horse to water, but you cannot make it drink. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to give you some guidelines, folks. There are going to be three or four of these that y'all are going to be so like, I can hear your heads exploding out there and going, that ain't right. And then, you know, so look, I can lead you to water. I might even shove your head under the water a little bit, but I cannot make you drink. So that is as far as it goes. So, Tane, you did a little bit broader research, but tell the folks about what sort of things got the JQC's undivided attention, say, 2021 to 2022. Yeah, that's a, sort of the last full year that we have. The, those are the, the most recent two years. And, and, and it's funny because even the number of these kind of violations that, that the JQC, uh, you know, took some kind of action about fell in the same order in those two years. So um, there's no need to go over the numbers, but they're the same thing, you know, same things, as I said, that keep coming up year after year. And they are the following uh, judges, demeanor and temperament, uh, ju judges, failure to follow the law, uh, conflicts of interest or and or failure to recuse. Uh, lending the prestige of the judicial office, improper social media conduct, improper ex parte communications, bias and prejudice, and failure to timely rule. So we're going to go over each one of those and kind of cover the rules that go along with those and and, and just um, uh, tell you some things about it. Oh, I'm sorry, and I missed a couple, a couple of other ones. Um, but the very first category uh, that we really want to talk about is judicial demeanor and temperament, okay? And because uh, there are a, a few other miscellaneous ones that pop up, but this is the one that keeps coming up year after year after year, basically at the top of the list every year. So 
So, Wade, what are we talking about when we're talking about uh, judicial demeanor and temperament? So if you want to get into the rules, Rule 1.2 under the, the code of, of, or I guess the canons of judicial conduct, says that judges shall act at all times in a manner that promotes public confidence in the independence, integrity, and impartiality of the judiciary. And in some of the commentary that follows, it says an independent and honorable judiciary is indispensable to justice in our society. Judges shall participate in establishing maintaining and enforcing high standard of high standards of conduct and shall personally observe such standards of conduct so that the independence, integrity, and impartiality of the judiciary may be preserved. The provisions of this code section should not be construed and applied to further, excuse me, the provisions of this code section should be, <laughs> sorry, yes. should be construed and applied to further that basic objection. objection. That's right. Wait. And it's no, it's no, um, it wasn't an accident that this is one of the first rules uh, that's placed in the rules or canons of ethics for us to follow. You know, and let me break it down for you. I mean, there are just a handful of things that that keep coming up that violate this rule and, and a couple of the next ones that we're going to talk about. And it's it's simple things. I mean, or it's everyday things, at least things like judges losing their temper with litigants and lawyers. Judges being impatient, um, failure of a judge to give a full and fair hearing or letting people have their day in court, uh, impatience or the way that people deal with self-represented litigants. And then there's one of them that I like to categorize uh, the whole thing. It's just uh, general arrogance and jackassery. Um, and so <laughs> that's not actually in the report. Yeah, really? Uh, that's not, the that's not in there? But it's implied, okay? <laughs> there, there is one that's implied. So, so yeah, and, and kind of dovetailing with the rule that Wade just went over is another one, and it's Rule 2.6, which is ensuring the right to be heard. And that's one, one of the ones I was just talking about. And it says, judges shall accord to every person who has a legal interest in a proceeding or that person's lawyer the right to be heard according to the law. The obligation of judges to dispose of matters promptly and efficiently must not take precedence over their obligation to dispose of matters fairly and with patience. Folks, we've all been there. You got a slam docket. Somebody's going on and on and on about their particular case. Your, your thought in the back of your head is that little voice screaming, I got to get through this today. I got 30 cases on the docket. And I sympathize. We all do. But if their case hasn't gotten a fair hearing, you can't cut people off and just say, I don't want to hear any of that anymore. I got other cases to hear today. You know, you may have to schedule or reschedule. You may have to do something, but you, you can't just cut people off. Tane, sometimes I have found, I think there's sort of two ways of, of, of handling dockets, especially in civil and domestic cases. You, you can either have a bunch of cases at nine and then have another bunch of cases at two or whatever, or you can give people time slots. And one of the things that back when we used to do the nine and two thing as a lawyer, I found it really hard for me to be thinking of all of the time that I'm spending in court and all of the time that I'm listening to somebody blabber on and on and on and on over yeah. nothing while the rest of us who are trying to make a living at practicing law can't get out of this courtroom to go handle the bringing in new clients, getting ready for tomorrow's cases, whatever. And so we, we went to more of a sort of a 30 minute hour window time schedule wise. One of the things that I have found is that if, if you assign a case an hour, hour and a half, whatever, and it is clear they're not going to end there. Don't say time's up, blow your whistle, wave your arms like a football official and say, you're done. Because that's not part of what the rules say, barring some sort of agreement on that. Instead, you say, time out, we're going to have to resume this on a later date. Now, mm -hmm. you know, Tane, as a former judge, I know as a current judge, former litigator, that's going to be really hard. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really hard for you to remember exactly what was said and what the vibe of the hearing was and what that witness said. But I think you owe it to the lawyers 
to try to stay on the schedule that you had designated to the extent that you can. Now, you may have to come back during the lunch hour and you don't get to go to lunch that day, Judge, or whatever. That's just the way it works. But yeah. I think that staying on that calendar, it, it means you're giving the people the full hearing, but you may not be today. Well, and, and wait, it's, I mean, having been the, you know, defense counsel in more cases than I was plaintiff's counsel, when you're the second or, or you're not the move in, you know, you're the, the, you know, you're, you're, you're responding to the motion. It's pretty tough when you give an hour and a half and the first person takes an hour and 15 minutes and then says, all right, you got 15 minutes, have at it, you know? So it, it, it may not be fair and it may make your life miserable or difficult as a judge, but it's, it's really only fair. Um, and, and that kind of goes into the next rule, which is rule 2.8, which says, uh, it's adjudicating pending proceedings fairly. Judges shall be patient, dignified, and courteous to litigants, jurors, witnesses, lawyers, and others with whom they deal in their official capacity, and shall require similar conduct of all persons subject to their direction and control. You know, all of this is about fairness to the litigants all the way across the board and, and giving them, making people know that they've had their day in court, that they've had a fair hearing, and that you're hearing them and listening to them is hugely important. And then, in, in NJO, you know, we've talked to, we, we've got a couple of, of, of extreme examples where really good judges had their patients tested and, and eventually yeah. broke. We all know that can happen. And there are some people whose sole mission in life is to see if they can break you and see if they can yeah. get you to say something out of hand because they, they know their fate. Um, yeah, or, or, or we have a bad day. I mean, you know, we're human. We try to be. We try to be superhuman you know what sometimes, I found, but we're human. You know what I found that when you have a bad day, a good, a good, a good way to handle that thing. What's that? Apologize. Yeah, exactly. Or, or yeah, admit that you know <laughs> you're struggling with something. And hey, look, folks, you know this is I'm trying to trying to concentrate here, but I've you know I've got a got a fire burning back in the yeah in the, in the room back here, you know. And uh, people understand yeah. you're human as long as you tell them. If yeah, you're totally late, agree. if you're late for court, if you if you're late on getting them an order, explain why. Yeah, you're you, you're you're getting ahead of me here, Wade. But oh, you're sorry. exactly right. No, no, it's okay. Uh, so so what I would say to you folks is this: um, we 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 give these tips to, to judges all the time at, at our judges' school. Um, a couple of things: have some people around you who you trust. <laughs> you know, people in your courtroom, bailiffs, uh, you know, court reporter, whoever. It Did is, y'all have a code word team? Well, that's what I was going to say. Have a safe word, you know? <laughs> Somebody suddenly screams, you know, strawberries. Uh, and that's you when know you know you're out of face, control. Yeah, your face is turning red and they know you're about to pop. And, uh, hey, Judge, we got a we got a phone call you absolutely need your to take back Your mom's on the chambers. phone, Judge. <laughs> exactly. Or your dog is on the phone, Judge, <laughs> and you, she needs to talk to you right now. So, but no, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I am mildly serious about that. My... There were a couple of people in my circle of trust in the courtroom who knew that they had not only the ability, but the responsibility to stop me before I really stepped in it. And so, because the greatest, I said this a million times during the 15 years I was a judge, the greatest power that I had as a judge was the power to call timeout, yep. <laughs> to say, we got to stop. We're stopping for a minute. And so if my face started to feel really flushed, I knew I needed to go look back into chambers for a minute, take a deep breath, maybe walk the circle around the hallway, and, and then come back and decide the case or continue. So anyway, those are those and, are good. And then things. finally, Tane, the Rule three point one talks about extrajudicial activities. The judges, the judges ordered not to engage in any extrajudicial activity that will detract from the dignity of their office or interfere with the performance of their judicial duties. And those are things that that really, in all honesty, you just gotta you, you just gotta have a greater perspective. And I hate to tell everybody this, and we tell people this at NJO, new judge orientation. I'm sorry if I haven't mm -hmm. said that recently. Um, Tane and I teach the new judges of Superior Court, but one of the things that we tell people is, I'm sorry, congratulations, you're a judge, but I'm sorry, you've lost some rights. Yeah. And and yeah. you don't get to say all the things and do all the things that you did last week before you were appointed or before you were elected. You don't get to do those things. And I'm sorry, but that's just a, a sacrifice that we have to make and we expect our judges to make. 
That's exactly right. So so let's move to one of the next one of these demeanor temperament things that just keeps coming up year after year for judges, and that is being on time. Now, Wade, tell them some of the things that people will continue to tell them that are just what I like to call lies and damn lies uh, about about being a judge. Where You're a judge, and we can't start without you. Yeah. It's nine o'clock when you say it's nine o'clock, Judge. Yeah, and, and Judge, we're not ready for you yet. You can just go back to what you were doing. Yeah. So I don't first know of why all, everybody from Tennessee just showed up at our hearing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was like we were at a UT game. Um, so, so, so that's. Let's start with the third one. There, people will tell you, like you start to come in the courtroom, and somebody will pop their head out in the judicial hallway or wherever you come from. Uh, and say, Heaven. we're not ready for you. We're, you know, you got a nine o'clock calendar. It's eight fifty nine, and somebody will pop their head into your chambers or the hallway or whatever, and say, "Hey, judge, we're not ready for you yet." Okay, well, I call the nine o'clock calendar, and this is my philosophy about that. If it's nine o'clock and I call the nine o'clock calendar, I want everybody who I called into that courtroom to know I'm there at nine o'clock. You know, <laughs> so here's what I would do, and I, I totally recommend this as a tip for you. Even if somebody says, hey, we're working on pleas, we're not quite ready, everybody's doing paperwork or whatever, okay, that's great. Pop your head into the courtroom, get up on the bench, say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm calling court to order. I understand there are some people who are working on paperwork right now so that we won't, we don't necessarily need to get started right now. Is there anybody who has something that's ready to go that I can take up right now, or is there anybody who needs to approach with anything? Otherwise, I'll step back into chambers, and when y'all tell me you finished with your paperwork, I'll be right back out. That takes what did that take? 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And everybody knows you're there. They know you know what's going on in the courtroom. And then they know you are available as soon as they need you. And I mean, it also just sort makes of sense to me. Make sure the guy who pops his head out in the hallway isn't misleading you, Judge. Exactly. Where the other party goes, I'm we ain't the, talking about nothing. I'm the one that doesn't need you right now, Judge, because I'm not ready to go. I don't know where my <laughs> client is. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, and this business of it's nine o'clock when you say it's nine o'clock. Look, folks, um, if you can't be somewhere, Tane, at, at nine o'clock, if you, I know you had a single county circuit, but a lot of our mm-hmm. a lot of our friends that listen, they travel. Right. And if, if you cannot routinely be there at nine, don't make court start at nine. Make right. it start I at mean, nine thirty or whatever. Ten o'clock. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make any difference. It's to me. It is more important that you look professional as a judge and you arrive on time on a daily basis than that you start court at nine o'clock. Um, so, but but let's go back um, to one of the tips that Wade was giving a few minutes ago. I kind of interrupted him, but look, we all screw up. I, you know, I've been late a million times when I was chief judge. <laughs> You know, it would be 8.59 and another judge would rush into my chambers with their hair on fire with something and I'd have to, you know, put the flames out and talk them off the ledge and everything else. And and what do you do, Wade, when you're out there then it's 9.05 or it's 10 after 9 and you've been putting out a fire in chambers? You go in and you tell people, I'm sorry I am late and you get like... I had a conference with the chief judge. I had a conference with one of my associates. Somebody had an issue that just came up. I, I, my mom called. Whatever it, and, and be be honest about it. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you don't have to give it, everybody the details, but be honest. Hey, one of my colleagues had an emergency, and we had to handle it. It it almost doesn't matter what you say, because right. when you walk in and you say, "I acknowledge your time is valuable." and I know what time I ordered you to be here. I was here. I was ready to walk in and some kind of bomb went off. It makes all the difference in the world. And I will tell you, I have heard presentations by both Ms. Veal and her predecessor that have said, you buy yourself so much credit with us when you start that way. Yeah, absolutely. The, the JQC. I, yeah. I mean, I think on a transcript that starts out with a good, you know, doesn't have to mean much, but a good apology saying, folks, I'm sorry I'm late. Hey, look, it's it's all the difference in the world. So well, let's move. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go no, ahead. you go ahead. I was ahead. just going to say, let, let's move to some of the, the next things uh, that, that we're cautioned against. And, and one of those is Rule 2.4, external influences on judicial conduct. Um, that rule clearly states, judges shall be faithful to the law and maintain professional competence in it, in the law. Uh, judges shall not be swayed by partisan interests, public clamor, or intimidation, or fear of criticism. Look, this is one of the hardest ones, folks. It is it is very hard not to take 
external circumstances into consideration when you are making a ruling in a particular case, if it is a matter of public interest, or even if it's not, but there are other considerations that are kind of floating around out there uh, in, in the situation. Unwritten in that rule or, or sort of a subtitle of that rule is politics, social media, mm-hmm. ru- letters to the editor, the things where you are dying to respond and tell everybody why they're so misunderstood or they misapprehend the reality of what's going on. And in all honesty, you simply can't. Yeah. And it's hard. It's very hard. And and part B of that rule, I just read you part A, part B of that rule specifically says, judges shall not permit family, social, political, financial, or other interests or relationships to influence the judge's judicial conduct or judgment. You know, look, your family wants to tell you what they think about stuff. Folks at the church want to tell you. Oh what they man, think the about church stuff. is the one, isn't it? It's the worst, man. They got you as captive there, you know. Especially if they know what pew you sit in. Look, and, I'm uh, not trying to influence you, but but I'm trying to. Yeah, that's 100 percent what you're trying to do. Well, then yeah, quit talking and, to uh, me. Yeah, and and, and, and kind of going hand in hand with that is, in particular, look, a lot of us um, ended up as judges or some of us did because we were involved in politics people got to know us because you know we were involved in all sorts of political stuff and there's nothing wrong with that but what you have to understand is when you assume this office you give that up you know it's 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 like wade said i mean there are certain rights that you just give up and so one of the things this is part c of that same rule 2.4 says Judges shall not convey or enable others to convey the impression that any person or organization is in a position to influence the judge. And one of the one of the biggest ones there is, you know, if you've been involved in partisan politics over the years, you you've got to make it clear that I no longer participate in that as much as I might like to. I don't give up my values. I don't give up the things that I hold dear. But you can't convey the idea that one or the other party or any party uh, can influence you in the way that you're going to decide cases. So I think that's really important. So the next section we sort of come to, Tane, is disqualification and recusal. And we know that we could be talking about recusals until we were All purple. Day. We're not going <laughs> to do that. But yeah. one of the things that I think that that some of our colleagues, and we have had a, a, a podcast on this topic, we, we teach on this topic at, at NJO, you can't become angry because somebody asks you to recuse. You, your your pride gets in the way and you said, I am not. Are you calling me a cheater? Are you calling me a liar? No, they're trying to to ensure that whatever the perception is, that it doesn't impact their case. Frequently, if you are a, a, a judge, you probably know some people in your communities, you know, newsflash. You know some people. There's Probably, a difference yeah, you got to between, be a judge in the first place. There, exactly. <laughs> There's a difference between knowing people and knowing people. Right. Right. If if you are going to have a hard time hearing your neighbor's kids' traffic case, then recuse. It, it, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Not, Rarely not only you, is there nothing wrong with that. I believe it is the better thing that you bring it up and not require anybody else to bring it up. Yep. In other words, either A, you're, and we'll get to this in a minute, how you deal with this, either A, you're informing the parties of a p- potential conflict, or you're just saying, look, I don't need to hear this case. Um, there been, you know, and It might be a church member. It uh-huh. might be somebody you coached in Little League. It might be, th- there's all kind of things that are not technical recusal bases yeah. But that you don't need to hear this case because it doesn't matter how you rule, you're going to be criticized. Folks, we'll be right back after this pause for station identification. Folks, this is Wade and Tane. You're listening to the Good Judgment Podcast on the World Wide Web or wherever else you listen to these things. As always, you can find outlines for these podcast episodes as well as any supplemental materials on our website, which is goodjudgepod.com. We'd love to have your feedback about the podcast, and we get that at our email, goodjudgepod at gmail.com. We're always looking for suggested podcast topics. Please feel free to submit your suggestions to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Operators are standing by. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to like us. 
and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And tell your friends it's how we get to grow our listenership. Thanks. And now back to our studio audience. I'll give you a good real world example of something that happened to me. Um, when, when the Atlanta Brave Stadium moved from downtown Atlanta out to Cobb County where I was, um, it was, believe it or not, it was controversial. And there were some people who were moving to try to get the bond issues, you know, stopped and, and some of that. And, and that issue landed on, on my desk by, you know, by virtue of uh, the wheel that we put everything on. Well, while I was not technically um, recused or, or, or required to recuse, I was on the board of the Chamber of Commerce at the time. Okay, I was a, a, a community, whatever they call it, a, a member at large or something like that of the Cobb County Chamber of Commerce. Well, while they were not a party to that action, they had been heavily involved in obviously getting thing this this big deal to come to Cobb County. And so nobody had to move for me to recuse. I just said, look, that's going to look bad <laughs> if if somebody brings up the fact that I'm a board member for the Chamber of Commerce. Um, and so I just voluntarily recused. Now, the person who ended up getting the case is probably was not happy with me about that. But I mean, it was a legitimate reason for me to get off that case. Now, there's a whole line of case law that says it's just as much of a sin, I guess, for you not to recuse where it's not required as it is for you to for you to refuse to recuse where it is required. Right. And so the fact that and I, I have been asked to hear cases where all the judges of a particular county have recused themselves because it involves the county or because it involves the, the voter registration people of the county or, or the sheriff in the county, you have to basically be your own own counsel on that. You've got to know whether you are too close to that person to be fair in, in, in that case. But the mere fact that you know somebody is not the guiding principle. It's not the, the end of the analysis, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there have been cases, for example, where a, a local lawyer was getting divorced, and you know, mm -hmm. other judges have said, "Well, I can't, I can't handle this case because I know that lawyer too well," and I've and I've been like, "I don't really know him, so I can handle." You know, I don't have to recuse from that case. I don't really know them, and so, um, you know, it, it it all depends on what your personal circumstances are and and, and situation. But so, if you um, get back to the rules, Tane, in two point one one, they talk about. The the judges if the judge is within the third degree of relationship to any of the, the people, and this is third the greatest degree of affinity or consanguinity. Those are two of my favorite legal words right there. Affinity is what, Wade? If you like them. No, no, no. Affinity is whether you're familially related in to other them words, by your in-laws. Ma by marriage. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And consanguinity is blood. Blood kin. Blood kin. That's right. So, so Wade, we have to explain this to jurors. We do. We do. And so it is Wade, a, a nightmare. Wade has a hint, a, a, a nifty chart. I found uh, this on the interwebs. On the interwebs that shows uh, the the third degrees of affinity and consanguinity. Because I can't tell you if your step uncle is within the third degree of affinity and consanguinity, but or your third uncle-in-law. Um, but there's a chart there, and it's in our notes at, where can they find it, Wade? Goodjudgepod.com. Now, this That's particular right. version might be small. If you need if you need a bigger copy, all you yeah. got to do is send us an email. Where can they send us that email, Tank? Goodjudgepod at gmail.com. So, so look, folks, let, let's go over some of the conflict of interest. Please uh, read the last and, one that you have on it, the list. Okay, so so yeah, so the, the, the rule says... Um, that you should recuse if you're within the third degree or if you are in some sort of relationship with, and, and these are the subcategories, a party to the proceeding, an officer, director, or trustee of a party, a lawyer in the proceeding, a person known by the judge to have more than a de minimis interest that could be substantially affected by the outcome of the proceeding, or a person who, to the judge's knowledge, is likely to be a material witness to the proceeding. I added one which I think ought to be sort of obvious, but judges have gotten in trouble for this before. And so I would add to that, you should recuse if you, if there's anyone who's involved directly in the case who you've seen naked. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I mean, that's an easy one. Like you either have or you have not seen them naked. 
And so, anyway, I don't know. I never. You know, understand. that reminds me of Jess Foxworthy talking about naked and naked. Naked, yeah. Yeah. If you if you if you're naked, you don't have any clothes on. Right. If you're naked, you don't have any clothes on, and you're up to something. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so all right, let's so move, let's not let's move Tane, a long way. Tane, let's not go through all of these recusal no, obligations. No, I, Just I understand, I think some of them make sense. If somebody's giving you a whole bunch of money in your campaign, if if somebody is in, it, it's not everybody who voted for you is now, now recused, or everybody right. gave you you know hundred dollars is now recused. It's somebody who had some big role in your campaign. If they yeah. were an officer in your campaign, those sorts of things. Then you need to recuse. At one least, of my favorites. One of my favorites is if they gave you an amount of money in excess of the legally appropriate <laughs> amounts, and I'm like, oh, that kind of goes without saying. Well, now I got to commit. Now we're law. co-conspirators, and it's a whole thing. <laughs> um, it, is, it is. All right. So, so yeah, I agree with you, Wade. Just know there's a there's a there's a list of folks where it talks about you know their relationship with you in terms of campaign contributions. Be careful about that. I mean, if somebody is listed as the chairman of your campaign committee, they probably shouldn't appear in front of you. And folks, if you feel like you need to make a, a disclosure and let the people think about whether they want to have you as their judge or not, do me a favor. Give the people more than, hey, do you object if I, if I tell you that this person was my childhood best friend and we used to build forts together and he's the party on the other side and he saved my life a couple of times. Do you object if I hear this? Give a, Walk out of the room. I give, had them a judge, some, give them a uh, chance to to confer with counsel or whatever and talk about that. Wrongful death case had been going on for two years. I had a judge uh, ask me bef- right before we were about to select the jury, oh, by the way, Mr. Kell, uh, lead counsel for the plaintiff was my law school roommate, uh, and we've been friends for 40 years. It, it, uh, you don't mind if he tries this case in front of me, do you? What'd and you then say? The, What'd you say as a young lawyer? I said about to get drilled. Uh, I had a quick conversation with my client and told him I didn't think it was a great idea, but we were kind of stuck. And the client agreed with us, and we went ahead and tried the case. It was a horrible outcome. Uh, it didn't help that the judge and the plaintiff's lawyer went and ate at the only meat and three restaurant uh, that the jury ate at every single day. To get they went together, they did not invite me. Uh, but anyway, that's another story for another day. Um, so we're getting a little long in the tooth on yeah, this yeah, episode. Let's, so let's talk about lending the prestige of the office because this is hard yeah. for a lot of our new colleagues to really grasp things yeah, like. And, and it's not, it's not real hard, but but you kind of got to wrap your head around it. So talk, let's talk about that a little bit. Wade. So basically, judges shall not lend the prestige of their office to advance the private interest of the judge or others. Some people will talk about this in connection with like letters of recommendation for people to get scholarships or in college or in schools or whatever. So you cannot raise money for stuff. Let's start with that. You can't raise money for your church. You can't right. raise money for the Girl Scouts. Or you can't sell Girl Scout cookies in your in your chambers uh, that's or probably anywhere not, else. That's not awesome yeah. because you are raising yeah. money, and there is some expectation. If the judge asks you, you might feel compelled to buy it so that you don't, or to d- donate money or whatever, but so that you don't get on the bad side of the judge. And nobody wants to do and, that, so they tell hey, us y'all, to stay out of that. And hey, y'all, kind of the same goes for your staff. You know, yeah. if your uh, if your assistant is. Uh, has the little Girl Scout cookie thing sitting on her desk when people come in to see you in chambers. It's probably not. That's probably not cool. What, what else, about Wade? the church building committee, Tane, when you're trying to raise some money to build the new steeple? Yeah, I mean, Judge Kale can't go out and say, hey, Mr. Businessman in, uh, in Marietta, I think you ought to contribute to this really worthy cause because your perception as a judge doesn't stop when you take the robe off. I'm sorry, but it just does not. Even when you go to Walmart in your jorts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that hurts you too. But that's that a different really topic. But Tane, yeah. there was a, a initial concern that people said, well, you mean I can't be on the board of elders or I can't be a deacon? No, that's not no. what it means. Can't raise money. So that when the stationery gets printed and they start to raise the money, your name has to come off, Judge. Yeah. I was on a board of a, a, of a local charity organization for eight years, and I asked them not to put my name on their on their stationery as a board member hey, because Tane. I knew they were going to use it to raise money. Hey, Tane, do you think that you can be the host 
to raise money to retire the debt of a colleague? You think you think you can host that party, your name prominently the host, and they have the the levels of contribution suggested on the invite? I absolutely think you cannot do that, Wade. You can give them money, but you can't be on the host committee. And I'm telling y'all, a lot. If, if anybody here is going, of course you can't do that. We're talking about that for a reason. Yep. And, and, and I'll give you one that's kind of out of date now. We don't really do it anymore, but a few years ago it was a big deal. The ice bucket challenge. Remember mm -hmm. that, Wade? Yep. And the whole point of that was you'd let somebody dump ice water over your head, and they were raising money for uh, people, ALS. People were donated. I think it was ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. I think people yeah. were donating money to sponsor you, and then it would be the yeah. same thing, Tane, as the local Dancing with the Stars campaign to raise money for uh, the Alzheimer's Association. You just can't do that. That's right. So, so, so that's an important one. Think, think about that because people are going to ask you, and people are going to ask you because you're a judge. And, and that's the whole idea about lending the prestige of the office to these things. So, Tane, Let's talk about the big one. Yeah, Wade, I was waiting the, for the this elephant, trip wire. The, the elephant in the room. This uh, shout out to Judge Dillard. He, he, has, he, has, he has figured out exactly how, how to handle that. Our friend. Yeah, he he uh, he knows how to toe the line between what you can do and you cannot do. I mean, Wade and I social tell media people, is what we're talking about. It's right? all about social media, folks. Uh, Wade and I tell folks, uh, when in doubt, don't get on social media. Um, I never had it during the time I was there, but I will have to say, I never had a a contested election in the age when social media was big. My first election, two thousand and eight, seven and eight. Did, they, did you it, have it electricity? It, it, we did. But the but the no joke. I mean, social media wasn't nearly as big of a thing as it has become in campaigns. I'm not saying you can't use that, but I am saying that you need to be careful what you post, what you like, uh, who. If your policy is I will only friend you if I like you on whatever social media platform You're it is, like you, on um, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, you may get in trouble for that because if you are liking certain attorneys and not liking other attorneys. Um, that is that is an indication that you you know value one attorney over another. That's problematic, and that's social media. And you know, it's it's something that that you and I have tried really hard with being on LinkedIn and for the podcast and trying to make sure we walk that line. And people want to, I don't know what the right word is, follow you with you, connect with you on on LinkedIn. We've tried to walk that line, but it's not easy. Well, my social media, uh, the only social media I had while I was a judge uh, was LinkedIn. And my policy on LinkedIn was if you were in the legal profession, you were an attorney or a paralegal, and you asked me to join my network, I would let you join. And so it was, you might it was just get... a blanket policy because it was easy. I was making no value determinations about who could and could not be on my network. Um, does that mean there were some people on my network that I didn't necessarily want on my network? Yeah, but, you know, but again, it was an easy not, policy on, to follow. On that particular platform, it would be weird to say, you know, anything about what you thought on a personal level. It would be almost, you'd have to work at it to get to your personal belief system. I just think with some of the others, Tane, it's so easy to, to come in and out of your personal belief system on social media. It's really hard to differentiate. And what, you know, if you want to post a, a beautiful child, a beautiful picture of your grandchild. That's one thing. I think if you said go dogs, that's one thing. I think that if you made any comment about black lives matter or, or blue lives matter or all lives matter or uh, transgender issues or affirmative action that the Supreme court ruled on, I think you, I think all of a sudden you're going to hit a tripwire you absolutely didn't intend to do. And then and you're going to create yourself an ethical problem unnecessarily. And I'm going to back that up with a couple of the rules that you should take a look at. And again, we're not going to try to read all these to you, but look at look at Rule 3.1 about participation in extrajudicial activities. I mean, that includes social media. Um, you know, uh, Rule 1.2 promoting confidence in the judiciary. Talking about public confidence in the judiciary. Look, if you are saying essentially, I'm taking a position on this issue right now that might potentially come in front of me. Uh, sometime for me to decide impartially, people's perception will be that you've prejudged that issue and that you can't be fair and impartial, and that lessens the confidence in the judiciary. And so, Tane, you also get over to ex parte's. You know, social media could have a role there with people DMing you 
See how hip I am? I said DMing. I listen to you, man. Um, Go. Rule 2.9, avoiding ex parte hearings. Don't permit it. Don't initiate it. Don't consider it. And they're, they're very well, as you know, on certain social media platforms, you can just give me your thoughts without getting any from me. Yeah. And you post yeah. it on my page or you give it, you, you, you do something that I'm your follower. That's a problem. Yeah, it is. And I just I it think really it's a is. problem that is unnecessary. But but shout out to Judge Dillard, who has been the largest av- uh, the loudest advocate that I know of for the proper role of social media with judges. I'm not saying you should never do it. I'm just saying you better be on high alert. So so let's talk about the basics of uh, of one that keeps getting judges in trouble, and and there are a couple more, but this is one ex parte communications. Mm-hmm. Look, I we we alluded to it a minute ago. Look, I've been the guy. A million times if somebody walks up to me at church or approaches me in the grocery store or something and they want to talk to you they want to they say i think you have a case that my nephew's involved in eh, eh, eh. okay I, I can't i truly cannot have that conversation with you or you know law you and lawyer are standing talking at the local sandwich shop and all of a sudden before you know it you know they've segued into a case they have in front of you maybe may very cleverly or maybe very subtly, but, and but it you've could, done and that. And it could be innocently, to be fair. I, I, exactly. It may be. And so, because that's what you have in common with them, you know, is that you you do this. So so what I'm going to say to you about that, I mean, there's some very clear rules about ex parte communications, but I'm going to say this. This is my tip on this. Know what you are going to say ahead of time when somebody either purposely or inadvertently starts down the ex parte communication road. Know your line for how to cut that off. At church, mine was, hey, let me stop you right there. I, unfortunately, I cannot talk to you about any case that's pending before me. I would really love to hear from you on it, but I just can't. Um, you know, thank you for that. I, you know, obviously, I'm going to try to do the best job I can possibly do, you know, or something like that. But, but I really encourage you to, it sounds weird, but have that line in your head so that when it hits you out of nowhere that somebody's about to try to start an ex parte conversation with you, you know what you're going to say. Same with the uh, lawyer, same with anybody. So, Tane, I think that that we have situations where ex parte communications aren't anticipated. You don't know when you answer the phone call from the county administrator that he wants, wants to talk about his, son, his son's ticket or drug yeah. case or his friends girlfriends mama and them's you know drug case yeah you have to be able to say ring ring we're talking about a case and not everybody is a party to this conversation that's involved in that case and and, and it, the rule even takes i mean the rule recognizes that these things happen rule 2.9 sure. uh in uh subsection b says if a judge inadvertently receives an unauthorized ex parte communication bearing upon the substance of a matter, and then it tells you what to do. It, it, it says, you know, uh, make provision promptly to notify the parties of the substance of the communication and provide the parties with a reasonable opportunity to respond. Now, that shouldn't happen very often because hopefully you can cut those things off, but sometimes it does. And so, you know, you need to just inform everybody right away. I mean, right away. I had an emergency one time where a guardian had lied uh, called me on a weekend because there was a true emergency and we both figured out what the telephone, the cell phone numbers were between the two of us of the other two uh, lawyers who were involved. And we got them on the phone so that I could decide this emergency issue that had popped up, uh, you know, for, with the guardian. I mean, it, it's, it's what you have to do. Finally, Tane, let's look at, um, uh, you know, we're going to, I know this is running long. Um, yeah. Bias and prejudice. Bias and prejudice is one of those things that I, I think everybody goes, yeah, that's bad. Tell me a little more. Um, <laughs> bias and prejudice. You cannot either directly or indirectly, by implication or expressly, conduct yourself either by the use of your words or how you do your job. Things that manifest bias or prejudice engage in any sort of harassment, including but not limited to Bias, prejudice, or harassment based upon age, disability, ethnicity, gender or sex, marital status, national origin, political affiliation, race, religion, sexual orientation, or socioeconomic status. And then the law says the judges also don't allow their staff to do that. 
And so... And you also don't allow lawyers to do that in front of you unless it is absolutely something that is directly relevant to the case. In other words, if we're trying a race-based case or something like that, or they're they're talking about a Batson you know, motion and and they have to talk about that, then that's one thing. But but you're supposed to control the people around you because what they say and do in your present re- reflects on you and how you deal with it. And Tane, unfortunately, some of our colleagues have found themselves in embroiled, I guess is the right word, in um, having relationships or, or seeking relationships with people in the courthouse, people in the system. Right. Um, folks, you just can't. And, you just can't. And, and I, if you do and you find yourself in that circumstance, unfortunately, you are in this position where you're going to have to be upfront about it and you're going to have to recuse and, and distance yourself. And, you know, hopefully you've got a good relationship with your chief or somebody that you could say, I got to be taken off these cases because something happened and I've seen somebody naked that I shouldn't have. And, Naked, <laughs> you know, those kinds naked. of things. Yeah, naked. No, I'm talking about naked. No, gotcha. Um, yeah. So all right. But but yeah, and then and then the last rule, Wade, yeah. and, and and this is this is the one. I mean, this one's so simple, but gosh, we run into it. I, I had I had somebody come to me this week and talk to me about a problem they had with this, and it is this. Uh rule two point one, uh, I'm sorry, rule two point seven says we have a responsibility to decide the matters assigned to us as judges, except those in which we're we are disqualified. That rule should say this. Just freaking rule. Uh, so there is a statute, Wade. Tane, so many of us think that they're, if they think on it long enough, the, they're going to divine the right answer, and that's usually not the case. Just rule. Things things get smellier the older they yeah. get. It, it's a rule of nature. They just get smellier the older that they get. And so, so just rule. And OCGA statute. section, yeah. I, I don't need to remind you of this, but OCGA section 15-6-21, says if you live in a county of less than or fewer than 100,000 in population, you have 30 days to rule on motions and hearings and other things in front of you. And in counties above 100,000 in population, you have 90 days. And if you do not do that, number one, uh, the rule sa- or the, the statute says you're subject to impeachment. That one's not one that happens very often. But number two, you're going to get a call from the JQC failing to rule on things and if you consistently that's don't the, rule on things right you're going to get a knock a knock on your door that's exactly <laughs> from the right. jake you said. so so wait that's a whole lot of a, a lot, lot of, of stuff to throw at people but but again you know our goal with this podcast has always been folks to help you with the things that are difficult to get you know keep you from getting yourself in trouble and so hopefully this one's been a little bit helpful. There's an outline of some of these rules and things. Where can they find that way? Goodjudgepod.com. And if you want to talk to us about it or talk back at, at us, Tane's email address. I'm just kidding. Our email address <laughs> is goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Now, Tane. All right. This one, one we're going to switch things up here. I've been doing all of these things about music, and, and there's one that just screamed Wade Paget. So, Wade, wrap us up with this. You know, Tane and I both love music, and but we do have slightly different taste. Vastly you might different be surprised taste. to know that I really love funk music from the 1980s. And if you share my affinity for 80s funk, you undoubtedly know the name George Clinton. Not to be confused with Bill Clinton. He led a band known as Parliament, and the full name, the... the the legal name of the band was Parliament and the Funkadelic. Now, was that no parking on the dance floor? No, that was Atomic Dog. And all oh, that. dang. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. Flashlight. A, a flashlight. lot of great skating songs. That's skating what I was. Songs. A flashlight. That's what I was thinking about. All right, go ahead. There were lots of members of that band at different times, Tane. And at any given time, there could be 30 plus people on the stage. But there was one standout bass player who had some independent notoriety from that band. This other leader of parliament played bass for George Clinton, like we talked about, but uh-huh. he also played bass for James Brown, the godfather of soul, child of Augusta. <laughs> Can you name the bassist? I will wait while you think. I don't know, Wade. I'm sorry, Matt. That's right. For those of you 80 funkaholics, it is Bootsy <laughs> Collins with his star shaped glasses. Bootsy, how did I not Bootsy know? Collins was his name. Isn't an amazing tame what you can learn on the Good Judgment Podcast? Absolutely. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. We try our best to give you actionable information, but in a format that does not make you want to hurt yourself. Two thoughts. Some topics allow us the latitude to be a little bit more fun. Number two, if we've failed you, we will try to do our best to do better in the next episode. We know that you have lots of choices and we're honored that you chose us this time. We're kind of amazed to be totally honest. This podcast began as a project that was initially the brainchild of Doug Ashworth, the former director, the executive director of ICJE. Thanks and appreciation to Mr. Henneberger and the entire University of Georgia College of Law, my new part-time employer. Thanks to Mr. Stephen Turner and his company, Turner Up Media, who helped edit out some of our stupidity and awkwardness. But hey, nobody can get it all. Thanks to our unsung hero, Kevin Holder. You are instrumental in our podcast being published and made available to the public. We should have been singing your praises all along, but we didn't, so... Tane and I are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead new judge orientation for the Superior Court Judges all across Georgia. Wade and I are also grateful to the State Justice Institute who allow us to do this through their generosity. You know that these are our opinions and do not reflect the opinions of ICJE, SJI, CSCJ, the University of Georgia College of Law, or anyone else for that matter. Contact us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com for any praise. Contact someone else with your complaints. But seriously, we would love your feedback, both good and bad. Send any comments to goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Please visit our website, goodjudgepod.com, for all our episode outlines and more details about our podcasts. Some of you send emails asking for copies of the outlines. Seriously, people, they're available 24-7, 365 at the website, goodjudgepod.com. And we say that like 20 times during every broadcast. But seriously, you can upload or download or otherwise use them as you wish and on your schedule and at your convenience. Once again, I'm Wade Padgett. And as always, I'm Tane Kell. Thanks for listening.